Welcome to Evergreen Conversations, a space where we're trying to lift the curtain about what churches do, feel, and think about. We want to welcome you into the conversations that we have here on a day-to-day and week-to-week basis. We believe church isn't a building or a service, but it's a group of people, and having hard conversations is something that makes us uniquely human. So we hope you can relate to some of the struggles that we have. We hope that you're asking some of the same questions that we are, and that this can be a space that feels welcoming, helpful, and inclusive. Hi, it's me, Kyle. I am sitting on my front porch with my wife, Kristen. Hi. Um, it's weird because we are married and we're having a conversation on microphones in our own home. <laughs> um, but I was asked to talk to my wife on mic about uh, her experience in the entire month of April. Um, she was sent, uh, recruited, uh, or deployed to New York City uh, to do some COVID-19 um, work and care and uh had a good and weird and hard and interesting experience. So we would like to talk about that and share with you um, what that was like for Kristen and um, what it is like in different parts of the world for people who are dealing with this stuff. Um, Kristen, what, what, like, what was it like getting the call to be asked to go to New York? What happened? Like, who called you? Like, when was it? What, what did it make you feel like? What happened? Okay, so I think it was Tuesday, March 23rd, uh, an email was sent out to my company. I work for AMR in Grand Rapids. I'm an EMT on the ambulance. And an email was sent out to our whole company um, asking for volunteers to be deployed um, to help with COVID-19. It was unknown where we would go, but... Everyone knew that New York City was hit the hardest, and that's probably where we would be going. So I just responded to the email saying I was interested after talking to Kyle and kind of discussing on what would it, it would look like. And um, maybe an hour later, I got a phone call from my supervisor, Carl, and he asked, are you interested in deployment? And I said, yes, of course. And he told me he would put me on a list and let me know if I get picked. And then about an hour or two later, I got another phone call from him saying that I was chosen out of 80 80 employees. 16 of us were picked to go. Um, We weren't really sure where we were going or when we were going, but we were told to pack a bag and be ready for a phone call to leave within the next few hours. Yeah, it was weird because I remember getting the phone call from you and I was at church. It was one of the last days that we were actually at the office at church. Um, And you said you could go in the matter of hours, but then I got home and you didn't have any information. So then we were like both waiting and I was waiting because I just like wanted to be at home when you left. And but you were also like waiting to go, right? It was like so. Like, what was that weird space? Because you got the call saying you could be ready to leave in a few hours on the Tuesday, but you didn't end up leaving until the next Monday. So you're constantly like ready to go. Like, what was that like? Just not knowing what you were, when you were going to go, or what was happening, and always kind of being in anticipation of leaving. Because it was hard for me, and I wasn't even going. I was just kind of waiting for you to leave. Yeah, so initially they told us we were leaving like the next day. So I had my suitcase packed, all my laundry done, you know, bag at the front door ready to go. And we were just kept getting told 
we don't have any information. I was feel I felt a little anxious just because it was all unknown and I just wanted to get answers, but that's deployment. That's how it how it goes. So all we could do was wait and hope for a phone call and it just took days and days and then we were told to go back to work and we were told that if we were at work that we would get a phone call we'd be pulled off the truck and then return home pick up our bags and come back and get ready to leave so it was almost a week of waiting yeah so you I remember you got called, you left around like late night on that Monday after I think what was like this late March Monday, whatever. Um, and you drove ambulances there, right? But you had to like have a little meeting and like a briefing session beforehand at work. What was like the process of getting like information as you got there and then driving through the night, right? Yeah. So we met at our headquarters, I think at 9 p.m., and we wanted to leave by 10.30. We got briefed. Um, still a lot of unknown. All we knew was we were driving to New York City. And we're going to, you know, do EMS out there and help out the FDNY system. And then we all drove together in a convoy of, I think it was 16 ambulances across country to New York City. It was quite an experience. It was, it was cool. What what was the so like you got there, um what was it what was like the your job when you got there? Yeah, so I was born and raised in New York, about forty minutes north of Manhattan, so I knew the area pretty well. But I never practiced EMS in the state of New York, and never drove an ambulance in New York City, which is which was weird. But yeah, when we first got there, we were directed to Fort Totten, which is where um the FDNY Academy is. So we drove there and we got registered and we got our ID cards and the paramedics got their narcotics and we got our check our truck checked out by the inspectors and just kind of just got checked in. And then all we did was wait for a few hours and then they directed us to go to the Bronx Zoo. Which was kind of weird because we were like, why are we going to a zoo? And so we pulled into the zoo parking lot about 8 p.m. Tuesday, the 30th of March. And there was only like eight of our ambulances there in a big empty parking lot in the middle of the Bronx. And we were told we were going to leave our ambulances there overnight. So we did that. And then FEMA actually, before deployment started, bought out probably six or seven hotels in Queens for us to stay at so they had us all like you know everything was paid for we went to the hotel we checked in we unpacked and then they were expecting us to come back to work on the road after being up for 40 plus hours but then decided that they would let us sleep for a little bit which was very nice of them but on deployment you're getting paid 24 hours so you're on the clock 24 hours Throughout the whole deployment, we had different jobs. The first maybe like week we were there, like five or six days, it was a lot of getting everything ready because when we first got there, we were the first people there. And the Bronx Zoo parking lot was our FOB, which is our 
uh, Ford operating base. We had our ambulances all set up there. We were divided into strike teams, and we had strike team leaders. And we worked, I think everyone was working technically 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And then there were some night people that were working 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. And we kind of just hung out in the parking lot and kind of was able to congregate and help and get to know each other. There were probably 100 ambulances there, so about 200 people from all over the country, which was really cool. Just, you know, meeting new people, everyone in the EMS, everyone kind of just doing the same job, but in a different part of the country. They had shuttles that were bringing us back from the Bronx Zoo to our hotels every day at the end of shift. We're basically working 16-hour days, even though our shift was 12 hours, because you have to wake up, you'd have to be there an hour and a half early, and you wouldn't get out on time. And there were just so many people and not enough resources at the time. For a couple days, we had huge trailers show up with medical supplies. So we had to unload those trailers and then put them in individual places and like reorganize it, which was really cool because we, it was a lot of work and a lot of tedious work and busy work, but we kind of all came together and we all just functioned as a well-oiled machine. Like we didn't know each other at all, but we just had this system down of like a hundred people and we were just working together to get everything set up with no questions asked. When did you feel like your first actual work? Because, I mean, there was like a few days where you kind of were just sitting at the zoo doing that stuff. But when do you think it really like started to kick into gear a little bit? Yeah, so maybe like a week or so after we got there, um, we were given an assignment to go up to Yonkers, New York, which is in Westchester County, which is about 20 minutes north of the Bronx. And we help, We were helping out a private EMS company up there called Empress EMS. They run um, 911 and then interfacility transfers. And so we went up there and they were just overloaded just like FDNY, but they're not as big as FDNY. So we went and helped them out and we did everything. We helped them with their transfers and we helped them run 911 calls in their area. And um, at first, so back home here in Grand Rapids, the company I work for mostly runs emergency 911 calls. And so going to New York and only really doing interfacility transfers, which is just picking someone up at the hospital and bringing them to another hospital or discharging them home, it's kind of just like boring work, I guess. It's not the excitement of a 911 call. So when we first got there and told we were doing that, it was kind of a little, I guess, it didn't feel like you were really helping. Yeah, it feels like there's a space where you can go in there and be like, oh, I want to be a hero. But then really, you're just like doing kind of the basic work that's required so other people can be heroes almost. Right. Yeah, we were we were letting them do their 911 calls and we were doing their transfers. And at first, it was a little frustrating, but after, you know, talking to our task force leader, she kind of just gave us a pep talk saying, you're decompressing the hospitals, you are making a difference, and you are helping them. And after a couple of those transfers, I mean, we mostly worked in the Bronx. Most of the hospitals we worked out of were in the Bronx. 
or Yonkers. And the hospital system out there, at least during COVID, was something I've never seen before. I truly appreciate where I work in Grand Rapids because what I had to deal with and what I saw in those hospitals, the conditions, the staff being overworked, just the emergency rooms were overpacked with people and everyone, everyone was sick, like on the verge of dying. Yeah, I can imagine like you see these like war films of people like running into a war medical tent and people scrambling all over. Yeah. Is that what it kind of felt like? Yeah. Like you, and a lot of the times, I mean, sometimes you don't even pick people up from the emergency room, but you have to go through the emergency department. So just see it all the time, even if you're not. Right. And you're walking by these people that are reaching out or screaming in agonizing pain, or they're like trying, they're asking for help. And like, you have to focus on getting through the emergency department to go pick up your patient on the floor and not being able to help them when they need help. These, this hospital staff, the nurses, the doctors, the techs, they're so overworked. They're having, they have way too many patients on their hands to even function. And I, I truly applaud that because it was, it was difficult for me to see and they weren't even my patients. So after your second uh, stint in Yonkers and in the Bronx, you went to a, you were working overnight at one point, right? Yeah, so our shift schedule changed so much. I think I worked like every type of shift you could imagine. Um, But our normal shift in Yonkers was 1 p.m. to 1 a.m., which is like a mid-shift. And then their call volume got really high and they really needed help overnight. So I think three or four days we worked 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. And after that, we finally were given a day off only because we were switching to day shift like the next day, which was nice because we were able to get off in the morning, sleep during the day, and kind of just hang out and relax and get back on day shift schedule. And so out of 28, 28, 30 days of me being there, I had one day off. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that day. What were like, what was the city like? Because I mean, we go there for Thanksgiving and Christmas a lot and go to the city and see stuff. Like, mm-hmm. what level of locked like both i mean obviously like the level of lockdown was high but Mm -hmm. were was there people any people around or was it just like bone bare um it was very very empty i mean growing up in new york i've been to new york city multiple times the holidays obviously are the busiest but even you know like on during the week when it's usually not super busy but still busy because people are out working and walking around and stuff. It was weird. It was a ghost town. There was, we went into Times Square and it was empty, like zero people, which is unheard of. Um, I think a lot of people in New York City either left the city to like their parents' house or um, if people that lived in the city had a house like upstate or out of state, they would go there just because you're so clo- close quarters in New York City. So it was re- it's, I think that's why it got hit so hard because the population is so dense and it's easily transmiss- transmissible with the disease. So, um, but a lot of people, 
stayed inside. I rarely saw people, um, and everyone wore masks. I mean, it was a it was a law. You had to wear a mask in New York State if you were outside, no matter where you were. So what was the last few weeks like after those two things, right? Like, did you, was it any different? Did it get harder? Did it get, like, more difficult? Was it, like, harder work? Was it harder stuff to see? Or what, how did that evolve through the time? I mean, a lot of our transfers, our patients were very critically ill. And back home, you don't usually transfer patients unless they're stable. And we had patients rolled out to us in the hallway. And by like a custodian staff, like not even a medical staff person, just here's your patient. And usually, and that's unheard of. And we actually almost had one of our patients crash in the back of our truck, which means she almost went into cardiac arrest because she was so unstable. And she was in the emergency department for over 36 hours. And Luckily, we got her back. We gave her some fluids and brought her heart rate up, and she was stable for us to transfer. But something like that is unheard of to happen back home in Grand Rapids for a transfer. Some days were great, and some days were not great. Every day was a different change of scenery. So after we worked in Yonkers for about two weeks, we were brought back to the Bronx Zoo to help out with the FDNY system. And so we did transfers um there was a big convention center called the javits center which was run by the u.s army uh convention center turned into a hospital which you've probably saw in the news and we brought a lot of people there or took a lot of people out of there to bring them home and then we got to actually go on the u.s comfort which is the big a naval ship that was docked. And that was pretty cool too. I mean, we got to do a little bit of everything. What was it like leaving and like the lead up to leaving and coming home and figuring all like readjusting back into normal life? What was that like? Yeah, so we were told that we were getting replacements from our home ops to come replace us because we've already been there for 30 days. And I guess that was the policy of our home operation, that they only wanted us there for 30 days. We received an um, email with a flight itinerary saying, you are leaving tomorrow morning. Here's your flight. And so it was, it was weird. It was sad saying bye to everyone you've been with for 30 days. Uh, my partner, who I worked 16 hours every single day. It was also some random female medic from Kentucky that I had met day one. Like, never knew her. And we spent way too much time together. Um, But just saying bye to people that you had formed a bond with, that you were basically, that was your family for 30 days. It was hard. We flew home, got home, and it was... It was weird because on deployment, you don't really have to think about anything else except what you're told to do. You know, the hotel does your laundry, Um, FEMA, they feed you. All you have to do is get dressed, shower, and report for work. 
everything else is planned out for you. And so coming back was very challenging for the first probably week, having to readjust to home life. Um, Coming back to West Michigan where COVID wasn't very much of a big deal as it was in New York City. Just kind of having flashbacks of things that I saw and when people would come up to me saying, hey, how was it? Tell me the worst thing you saw. Like, you don't really want to know the worst thing I saw. Because if I told you, then I don't think you'd want to talk to me again. <laughs> um, so it was, it was difficult. But time, time heals all. And it just, you know, being around a support system like Kyle and having someone to rely on when I'm not feeling the greatest or I need to talk, that really helped me. After you came back, were you like happy or upset or confused about the way people around here are handling it? In terms of like people being careful, people wearing masks, people doing the things they have to do while understanding that like it's not as it's not the same. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um so I feel like West Michigan they have done a really good job about, you know, abiding by the stay at home order wearing masks. I mean it was weird coming back here and not having to wear a mask everywhere you went because it wasn't a law and not all places were enforcing it. But I don't know. I guess a mix of everything. I'm just happy that it wasn't bad here that it like it was in New York. Um especially working in EMS here and I thought we were going to get overloaded a lot more than we did. And maybe we did when I was gone, but from what I heard from coworkers, we didn't it wasn't too bad. And I'm just glad that I don't live in New York City. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Thank you for talking about it. I know it's not the easiest or the funnest thing to talk about sometimes, but I'm sure people will be interested and people will be thankful for like, because I mean, it's hard, right? To be able to understand, because some people that live around here, it's like, why is everyone freaking out? You know? And it's like, because if this gets bad in a way that we're not prepared for, like, horrible stuff is going to happen and there's going to be stuff that's miserable and desperately sad so like for people to understand that this is real and it's hard and like the hard work we've done in the past 90 days to make this not as big of an issue as it could be has been important has been helpful has been like life-saving because i think sometimes it's like oh i'm just staying inside bored going crazy but we're legitimately like keeping it from being uh stuff like you've seen and stuff like you've dealt with so i'm sure people will be excited about that not excited but like excited to hear that what they're doing has made a difference